Welcome to Modern Motherhood, where you're required to be everything to everyone all the time. We wouldn't have it any other way, but let's be honest, it's hard work. So let's talk about it, all of it, in the raw with no filter. Come and be a fly on the wall as you listen in on a chat between friends, as each week welcomes a new guest and a new topic to delve deeper around the ins and outs of not only motherhood, but life in general. The ups, the downs, the struggles, the highlights, the reality. Because the reality is, you're not alone. We're all in this together. You're listening to Mummy Republic. Welcome to the whirlwind. Hello, lovely, and welcome back to another episode of the Mummy Republic podcast. I'm your host, Danny, and I can't wait to get into today's episode because I think we're going to shine a light on something that we don't talk about enough when it comes to our children, and that is silent disabilities. But before we kick into today, make sure that you click on that subscribe button so that you don't miss a thing. And if you haven't done so already, make sure that you leave a rating and a review so you can let other listeners know what they're in for. I would be eternally grateful. If you're on the gram, jump on over to at Mummy Republic podcast so that you don't miss any of the guests on the episodes and a little bit of chat about mum life. We're coming to the end of season three in the next couple of weeks. So please make sure that you jump back into the archives and get yourself up to date on any of the episodes that you've missed. When it comes to today's episode, there's no specific trigger warning, but I will highlight that we will touch on topics such as epilepsy, ADHD, and learning disabilities. So if it is sensitive for you, perhaps sit this one out. Otherwise, let's get stuck into it. Today's mama has been through a lot, but it's only made her stronger and exactly the role model her daughter needs, sharing parts of their journey to educate and inform that you can't always judge a book by its cover. Welcome to the lovely Kate Nolan. How are you doing? I'm doing so well. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. I know that you're a little bit nervous, which I think (laughs) is always a good thing because, you know, you've got a story to tell, but it, it takes a lot of strength to be vulnerable, right? Oh, it totally does. It, it's something I'm still learning. Like I am, anybody that knows me knows that I am the strong one. So I'm trying to come to terms with my vulnerability a bit more and yeah, just trying to let it out and share my story really. Yeah. yeah. Which is why I'm so glad that you said yes to this because I think um, you share bits and pieces on your Instagram like everybody does, but I think there's only certain things that you can get across in 15 second stories. And we're going to delve a little bit more into Tiani, your daughter, um, and her situation. But let's kind of start from the beginning because we all love a good background story. Um, when did you fall pregnant? Um, so I don't even know if I've really talked about this that much. Um, we actually got pregnant through IVF uh, and not because I had any issues, but because my ex, now ex-husband, um, had a vasectomy. And yeah, so we had two options of either reversing the vasectomy which I would have not minded going down that and seeing him in a little bit of pain, to be honest with you, um, or um, or doing IVF, which, to be honest with you, he still went through some pain, set to get a big fat needle in his balls, and that was quite fun, I'm not going to lie. Um, so. hang, on a, hang on a minute. And I am actually doing an episode on IVF, so is that a normal practice? Oh. <laughs> um, I don't know. I Maybe they just wanted to inflict pain on him. I don't know. No, that's well, funny. So because when you've had a vasectomy, um, obviously there's something that's been cut somewhere up the line, so they have to go 
like underneath, like oh. below where that where that cut. I don't I don't know the you know the ins and outs of it. But so yeah. so basically, they get the sperm directly from the balls, the and balls and I watch the needle go in, and that's <laughs> fine. Probably not at the time. It really was, Upon yeah. reflection, no, it was. I was like, "Yeah, you go through some pain too, mate." Yeah. <laughs> so, how many? Um, and I'm probably going to get this wrong. Rounds, cycles, did it take you? Um, so just one. So we okay. were really lucky. Um, like I say, I, as far as we knew, had no issues um, with my um, ovaries, whatever you call yeah. it, like my yeah. eggs or anything. Um, so we were really blessed. We had um, we did one. Um, one like egg retrieval for me and we got I think we got like 12 eggs um, and we ended up with eight fertilized um, embryos um, and the first one worked so we were super lucky yeah it was a it was a really beautiful experience Um, so that's how we got pregnant so it was all very planned Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah we had initially thought of kind of doing the um, the egg retrieval and the embryos and then getting married and then um, popping the embryo in but we just decided YOLO and we popped it in and yeah so and then we did it all straight away and I was married with five and a half month belly oh, yeah really? yeah yeah Aww. so we kind of just just did our own thing but that's yeah. how we got pregnant so yeah it was that's all very planned awesome and obviously meant to be like I'm a huge believer on in timing um, and not to say that you know people not falling pregnant it's not the right time I think that's really disappointing but when you don't plan something like that or you just like oh we'll give it a go and then it happens well obviously it was meant to happen there. yeah yeah absolutely yeah and it was really beautiful we did a um, gender reveal at the wedding you know oh. so everyone was with us when we did it so it was super nice and that was kind of before the big like gender reveal stuff was really big so it was just a really beautiful experience so I'm so glad and you know, the marriage may not have worked out, but I can always look back at the photos with Tiani and, you know, say this was, you know, you were there in my belly at the time. Mm. So it's, yeah, that's pretty special. That's special. Yeah. yeah. How was your pregnancy in terms of health-wise? Any concerns, complications? No, my pregnancy was amazing. Um, I was so blessed. I was hardly sick. Um, I was super healthy. I worked out all the way through. Oh, um, annoying. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> now I see some of my friends now, I'm like, oh, I feel really bad. Um, but yeah, no, I had a really, really beautiful experience um, the whole entire time. Um, yeah. yeah, including labor and everything. There was no no issues at that time. Oh, yeah. how wonderful. And then obviously as Tiani grew, you and your partner separated. How old was she when that happened? Tiani would have been probably about 18 months, I think, when we separated. Yep. Okay. So by then, we had already experienced the seizures. Mm-hmm. So okay. um, That was actually going to be my next question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she had her first seizure at six months. This, I had this really weird feeling when I was pregnant. And it sat, I feel, I, I've never actually spoken about it out loud. And I feel really weird speaking about it. But I would sit there and I'd think about, because I was an older mum so to speak like you know I was 34 I think about 34 and I'd look back at all of the people I knew who had had children over the time you know some who were 18 you know all the way through that I knew and I was like nobody's had a child with any issues and I think to myself I bet you I'm gonna be the one (laughs) and I the reason why I feel weird saying that is because I don't want to you know people are gonna think oh you wished on yourself or anything like that but I just I can't explain why I thought that, but I just did. Mm. But anyway, obviously, you know, whatever, it is what it is. Um, But yeah, she was a beautiful newborn, um, so well behaved, you know, amazing. And then um, right on her six-month 
anniversary of life, I guess, like exactly to the day she had her first seizure. And it's one of those things where I look back and I, that was the the first ever time that I had actually ignored my mum, like that, that gut feeling about mm. something being wrong. Um, so maybe a couple of days prior to that, I'd, I'd look at her and she'd look like she was looking out into space and, you know, you kind of click your fingers a little bit and maybe for, I don't know, three or four seconds, she might've just been kind of staring for a second and then she'd come back and, I, and I'd say to my ex, I'd say, oh, that's a bit weird, isn't it? But you know, well, yeah, yeah, first time mum, yeah, yeah, you like, don't know. You know, yeah, just having a little moment. Um, and then the morning that it happened, she did it again and I thought to myself, mm, that's a bit weird, but you know, I just, and I had a funny feeling in my gut, but I just ignored it. Mm. And interestingly enough, she, well, she went to kindy at that time. I had to go to work quite early um, on. So she had been at kindy since she was three months old and she went to kindy that day and I went to work, everything was normal. And oh, I just, it's like, it's crazy. I remember it so clearly and I do not have a good memory. So that's amazing. But <laughs> I remember getting the phone call and it was from the guy who ran that kindy and I actually can't remember exactly what he said but I just remember the the feeling like like everything around me just stopped and all the noise just stopped and obviously it was on the phone so I didn't completely understand what was happening I just knew that something was happening to my daughter and it wasn't good um yeah and um, my the guy who I worked with at the time, like he said to me a couple of days later, he said to me, the noise, I don't remember making any noise, but he said to me, the noise that came out of your mouth was just something I'd never heard before. And I still to this day don't know what it was. Um, and yeah, so he drove me straight to the kindy and oh, it's just, it was horrible. There was just, there was my six month old baby lying on the lap of the guy that who ran the kindy jock and she just had her eyes open staring at like the eye her eyes were staring up and she was drooling and yeah it was fucking horrible it was the worst day of my life like it's just given me complete goosebumps just yeah yeah I can't even imagine yeah so what 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 happened yeah go to the hospital yeah absolutely so they'd already rung the ambulance they were amazing like I look back and I think I'm so grateful that it happened there because if I had been on my own Mm. at home with her like I just do not know how I would have reacted to that so they were amazing they'd already called the ambulance I got there just before the ambulance um we went straight to the hospital she was in the seizure for 45 minutes I think oh my god yeah yeah so it was a long time so the whole entire um ambulance ride and everything I remember getting and getting to the hospital and they had like maybe 10 or 15 people like there waiting for her you know in the in the emergency room and they put her on that big you know on the big like in the normal people's bed and there was my little baby girl and I just remember standing there thinking fuck I'm gonna like I'm gonna lose my child like I'm gonna be the mum that loses her child um yeah it was fucking intense as anything and my ex came and his mum came and we were just standing there and I I don't know what they did they I think they injected her with something but anyway obviously you know she she came too but yeah that was the beginning of the epilepsy journey that we had so I haven't oh. really shared that like that openly about exactly what happened but yeah yeah well it, it is it's hard to you know you can talk about 
a, a fit or you can talk about this situation, but until you actually relay it in story form, it's so hard to understand the gravity of how that must felt. And I've, I've still got goosebumps because any parent would yeah. just be mortified. Yeah. Did they, I mean, what, what kind of explanation did you get? I can't really the next little while was a little bit of a blur like of that day like I just obviously it was just I was very very emotional um they did so many tests straight away they were amazing I've just mm. oh the we've spent so I mean you you know yourself but we've spent so many so much time at the Gold Coast Hospital um in the pediatric emergency ward and far out man those people are amazing oh they're like, angels uh, yeah, angels. yeah yeah um they did lots of tests. She had a poor little girl. She had a lumbar puncture, which I don't know if anybody people know what that is, but it's a big fat needle going into their back. Yeah. Um, they did. I don't know what else they did at at that time. Um, but I remember we walked away when it, I think the next day with not very many answers. Mm. Um, she actually continued to have seizures pretty much every two weeks for a, a significant amount of time. I'd probably say maybe two months or so. And with no explanation? No. So they were running lots of tests. So in that time we did um, uh, EEGs. Um, I can't remember what else they did. They did a few other tests. They did obviously blood tests and all of that mm. kind of thing to try and find out what it was. Um, we ended up with the help of my mum and dad getting a, a private paediatrician, okay. um, Dr. Harry Singh, who is amazing and um through him we got her onto some medication so yeah so that started to ease them and we probably went from seizures every two weeks to slowly drawing out you know maybe once a month Mm -hmm. you know maybe once every two to three months but just really random um yeah probably we probably experienced that for another year and a half to two years of quite significant and random seizures all different times five minutes 45 minutes 10 minutes yeah and was there any sort of common denominator like any trigger that you could pinpoint not initially it was really weird it would just be like initially it was every it was almost every two weeks to the day which was just weird um but not for the first year or so um lately like in the last year and a half or so it seems to be associated with her getting a virus okay. um so it's almost like her body's way like this is my interpretation of it it seemed almost like her body's way of dealing with a virus is you know you'd have day one and day two of getting a little bit sick and then at the peak of it her body would have a seizure and then she would start to get better mm. and no medical background into that interpretation <laughs> whatsoever no, just my yeah just yeah. my just my yeah, yeah my understanding and what I've kind of seen from it um and look in the what are we, what is she now for so this four years of it now I think um and numerous tests MRIs um a PET or PET scan like so many genetic testing sent to America has not really come back with much um unfortunately so we still don't really know but it is pretty well controlled now with medication which is great so in terms of when she has a seizure I mean you just said that it can go from five minutes to 45 minutes obviously when that's happening that's quite dangerous for her little body what what do you do do you call the ambulance every time or? yeah it's um so I now have been trained in giving her um an anti-seizure medication called midazolam okay. um so it's something that I can give her now we allow it to go for five minutes to see if it will self-resolve um and if it continues after five minutes then I can give her the midazolam which is not a needle it's just um either given orally or 
through this thing that goes up through to her nose um, and that usually stops it. Mm. We do, we are supposed to call the ambulance when we give her the midazolam, but I've just spent so much time in the hospital mm. and we know what happens every time we get there, they monitor her and then they send her home and it's just a pain in the ass. So now yeah. I've, like, I, I just feel it out now. Um, mm. Yeah, but... I think it's probably important to note that I think a lot of people, you know, my interpretation of a seizure, I think before Tiani started to have them, was, you know, that kind of violent shaking, yes. you know, on the ground. Yep. But Tiani's ones are, and I've completely forgotten what the name of them is because we don't talk about them anymore, but she has a type of seizure where she actually, um, her eyes are wide open, they deviate up to like the ceiling or up, um, her lips go a bit blue and she goes quite... Uh, like almost a little bit rigid so she doesn't actually shake so she kind of just looks like she's sounds she just kind of looks like she's just dying like it's just yeah it's it's a really yeah it's it's a really interesting um, thing that I had no concept of prior to to her experiencing them so yeah that is such a massive thing yeah to have to deal with it's just normal for us now. So I think yeah. like, you know, even just to talk about the first time, like it's just been, I mean, it's four years we've been dealing with it now. Mm. So to me, it's just, it, that it is what it is now. Yeah. Mm. And we've it got must to take its toll though. Oh yeah, it does. It, it, oh, the first, the first year was just next level. I mean, I just, I just, I just felt so, oh, I just felt like I wasn't, able to do anything for her and as a mm. mum that's a really horrible feeling mm. you know I wasn't able yeah. to fix it I you know I couldn't take it away um and the only thing I could do was just to get her to as many specialists and get as much testing done as possible so mm. yeah oh you're amazing you're amazing <laughs> and I think you know if it's people just don't understand how difficult it is to have a child where you've got to watch medically them really struggle and for you to not get those answers to go okay well this is what it is and this is how we manage it and this is how we can fix it to be in that limbo that god that's exhausting yeah it was just I I guess I held on the the thing that got me through it the most was I held on to the fact that because we didn't get a specific cause for it I thought well maybe that's a good thing because mm. perhaps you could grow out of it. Perhaps yeah. it's just something that her brain is going through. So I use that as a positive. I, you know, it's not a genetic condition and it's not a this and it's not that and it's not a tumour and, you know. Mm. So to me, I was like, well, there's, there's positives in that. So that's what got me through it, yeah. um, through that unknowingness for sure, yeah. Which is a great perspective. How does your ex deal with it? Um, in the beginning not very well um and just in the sense I don't know I he I just I just automatically take over in these situations you know mm. like I, I guess I've learned that in in those um emergency type scenarios like I just switch on okay what have we got to do and I'm just you know I'm just kind of go into that mode he would get quite upset um you know so I'm not saying he didn't he didn't not deal with it well but he would just I think he he struggled emotionally a bit more seeing her like that whereas yeah. I went into you know right sort this out mode let's get yeah. it fixed and protection. let's do what we need to do protection yeah mm. yeah so um he hasn't had to deal with a huge amount of it uh like I have but when he does I I, I think he's pretty good with it now he mm. doesn't know how to do the midazolam so he doesn't have that training or he can't stop the seizure when it happens mm. um yeah does that ever concern you given that you have shared care yes absolutely it does yeah it's one of those things where you know I I don't know how to get him on board 
to that degree. It, unfortunately for us, I've, I have care of her so much mm. that uh, he kind of acts a little bit more like a babysitter. And when I say that, I don't mean he's – I'm not saying anything about the way that he parents. Mm. I'm just saying, you know, like he takes her for a couple of nights um, you know, he gets to have fun with her, you know, he doesn't have to go through the, um, the rigmarole of, you know, of parenting while going to work, um, getting her organised while he has to go to work, taking her to her appointments, you know, all of those kinds of things. So honestly, like if something happened to me, he would have no clue on mm. what's involved with her, none whatsoever. So uh, yeah, there is, um, there's a lot of fear around that, but we just, we, I mean, I, I would just, get in the car and go over and do what I yeah. needed to do if it happened, yeah. So we're just quite lucky that, you know, over the last year and a half, the seizures have become a lot more controlled, so, yeah. yeah. Which is good. I mean, that can give you a little bit more peace of mind because yeah. the whole shared care thing is difficult enough as it is. Not so long ago, you shared that you did get some kind of outcome when it came to her behaviour and some commentary around that. Do you want to tell me a bit about that? Yeah. So um, after, after, I suppose, that we kind of got over the whole fact that she had epilepsy, um, I started to notice that she, I think the first thing I noticed was her speech. So her speech wasn't coming along. So as she was kind of between the years of like 18 months to two and a half, she, she wasn't really progressing with her speech. Uh, after that, uh, basically, as soon as she was walking, I was like, "Whoa, this kid has energy, like next level energy." <laughs> oh, you can tell. <laughs> you can tell she does. <laughs> um, and as she got older, you know, that it, it, it all just became a lot more obvious. You know, you'd read a book and you'd get one page, and she'd be on to the next book, and you'd have fifty-five books on your lap, <laughs> and she'd only allow you to read one book before she was over it. Um, but yeah, it just uh, I think as well because she had the epilepsy, my rose-colored glasses of having an you know this perfect child if you want to you know use that term came off pretty quickly so I was a lot more aware like in Mm. fact I was probably hyper aware of everything about her so I I pretty quickly had discussions and that's I think that's the thing that I'm really grateful to myself for is that I was always just so open about it I was like look I'm seeing this should I be concerned I talked to her kindy I talked to the GP I talked to you know my friends or you know um, when we were together my ex and and so we we kind of were aware of something pretty early on. Mm. Um, I remember going to my GP and her being amazing and her um, helping me to get into, uh, I think it, the first people that we got into was, um, oh, it's like com- it was like the Community Health for Children, um, okay. Child Development Services is what it was. Uh-huh. So that's all free. So we got in um, to get assessments through them. Um, and so the speech, uh, the speech was huge from, from very early on. Um, and then we got, um, some help with some occupational therapy, um, because we noticed that she wasn't able to focus on things. Um, and like I say, that it just became more and more and more obvious. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you just like everybody was the comments I would get when we were out and it was never rude at that point, but it was like, oh, she's busy, isn't she? You know, that I like, <laughs> would get that on a daily basis and I'd just be like, yes. Thanks, Karen. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and so, yeah, just going down that path, um, we, oh, when was it? Maybe five months ago, I think we got the official, official diagnosis mm. of um, ADHD and global developmental delay. Um, and for those that don't know what global developmental delay, that's basically where a child is assessed in all aspects. So, um, speech, 
um, their ability to um, like get themselves dressed, um, you know, everything, um, fine motor skills, gross motor skills, like every aspect of them is assessed. And um, basically Tiani scored low in all of those. So therefore she doesn't just have a speech delay. She's, she's um, delayed in all areas of her development. Mm. Yeah. So, so where do you even start with that? Um, well, therapies. <laughs> yeah. um, and lots, I'm sure. And lots, yeah. Um, we're very blessed um, to be able to have some NDIS funding as well. Mm-hmm. So for those that don't know what that is, it's a National Disability Incentive Scheme. Um, and because of her age, um, she comes under the early intervention side of things, which means that she doesn't have to have a specific diagnosis at this age mm-hmm. um, in order to get help, which is amazing. Um, so... We're, I mean, that's just money that allows us to pay for these very costly therapies. Yes. So, yeah, we've been doing speech therapy and occupational therapy weekly. Um, the ladies at the... Um, yeah, Child Development yeah. Services. Yeah. We've had so many, I just lose count. <laughs> um, the women that we saw there, oh, my gosh, they were the most incredible therapists I've ever dealt with so oh. far. Um, and they hel- they helped me get to the NDIS and they helped me get into um, a program called ECDP which is Early Childhood Development Program um, which is another free um, intervention program for kids to help them get ready for school uh, I mean they, we are so blessed in this country for oh, help like it's God, just yes. insane yeah yeah the, oh, yeah don't get me started on that I, I just think yeah we're so incredibly lucky particularly compared to other countries absolutely yeah so we I mean I'm just blown away by how amazing people are and that's I mean I think that's all you can do you know I mean when you have a child that is in a four-year-old's body and has the development of a say two-year-old which is probably mm. where she's at it's a really hard, like what what do you do? You're not going to be able to push them to for, for their brain and their development to be to, to develop any faster. You just have to help them and give them tools to try and mm. um, get through life as best as possible. Yeah. And how do you find? Because obviously people don't understand that, and her behaviour is different, um, her development is different. How do you find the comments from people oh. now? I've always thought to myself, you know, when you have a child with um, a disability, you know, within seconds, you can look at that personal child and you have empathy because you can see exactly Mm. that they are dealing with something that is different, whatever that may be. When you have a child that looks and appears to be normal, but acts differently, people don't seem to understand that. And... This is probably, if I'm going to cry, this will be where it is at because the judgment. So initially I would notice no no comments being said, but I just see it painted on people's faces. They just look at my child at, at a playground or whatever and just, I feel like if they could talk, they would say, oh, I'm so glad that's not my child. <laughs> like oh. that's what I, that's the, the energy that I felt from yep. them, you know. Yep. Um, I've had some pretty, two two pretty bad situations um, where Tiani, like there's been a specific complaint made about Tiani. Um, so one was at the gym crash um, where a mother was like, you know, 
I should be able to bring my child to a safe place and know that she's, you know, going to be safe and all of it, you know, just that. How is she not safe around your daughter? Yeah, well, okay, so Tiani um, can use her hands instead of her words. Okay, (laughs) right. (laughs) She hits. I was going to say she's a hitter. (laughs) And she's also a biter when she really wants to be. I don't think she's done it at the gym craze yet. But, yeah, and the weirdest thing about Tiani, (laughs) this makes it sound so bad, but she almost picks up on... Um, a really gentle energy or a really I don't know what to call it but she like she picks on people and, oh. so, <laughs> and she can just really annoy them and oh, so bless. yeah um, so there's a just yeah so that's um, that's the first one and mm. the, the funny thing about that is that the woman the girl at, at the gym who was working at the gym who the lady complained to was training to be an OT so you have no like that this woman very politely gave it back to the mother uh you know and and I'm so grateful for that this girl she knows Tiani too so you know um but yeah we also had one at um her kindy um and again you know Tiani's kindy is amazing but again it's just people's um lack of knowledge and understanding and awareness and this woman made a complaint and what we ended up doing uh, following that complaint was I wrote a letter as if it was from Tiani um, you know explaining if I'm being Tiani who I was what was going on with me and why I acted like I acted and um, this is gonna make me cry sent it off to um, the kindy who sent it off to all the parents and I just got so many letters back from other mums of support so it was one, you know, it was one mum who, you know, I, I get it. You know, if, if your child comes back, you know, comes home bitten, you know, maybe a couple of times in a row or whatever, I get it. Like, I totally understand. Of course, yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, the, the reaction from all the other mums was so beautiful. So, yeah. Oh. I'm really, yeah. So, you know, there's, there's a couple of things that are really negative um, and really hard to deal with, but... You know, as soon as people have some understanding or some awareness mm-hmm. of her, like they're they're so beautiful, and and that's all I'm trying to do with, with you know speaking up about it because I don't I didn't know anything about mm. kids with you know with different differently wired brains beforehand, and I've noticed that if you are a mum and you don't know anybody with kids like that, you don't understand. Yeah. You know, and you we I mean we we're bad enough having expectations on a normal kid, you know, but. To, you know then to have one that's you know got, got a differently wired brain and you know it doesn't understand things and has these higher needs it's just yeah like I've got to be the voice for her like I absolutely mm. have to because if I don't then you know the the, the kids of these parents that don't understand are, are not going to understand either so they're going to treat mm. her differently and they're, they're her peers and that will affect her more and yeah so but that's such a massive credit to you in the way that you delivered that information because I imagine that it would be really easy to just get defensive and to be like, well, you don't understand. You don't know what we're going through. You don't know what I'm dealing with. Or to just pander to it and go, oh, look, I'm so sorry. She's got all these issues and blah, 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 blah. But to convey it in that way, like that's you should be so proud of yourself. Oh, I wish I could take credit for that, but that was... A- <laughs> That was a suggestion from a psychologist, I think. Oh, so. Who cares? No, but, sure, but I wrote the letter. <laughs> you wrote the letter. But it, but even for you to 
get that information, to source that information, to have a conversation about how can I best handle this. Yeah. A lot of moms wouldn't do that. And, yeah. and it is hard because you definitely want to jump to um, automatic like protection mode. Yeah. Um, you know, I and, and even now that Tiani's a bit older, you know, and I see her acting a certain way or hitting a child, like, you know, I'm like, no, Tiani, you can't do that. You know, say sorry to your friend. But ultimately, Tiani doesn't understand why she's saying sorry. She can say the words now. She can say sorry. Mm. But does she understand what she's doing? I don't know, you know. So, yeah, it's it's so easy to jump to your automatic parent mode of protection or apologising profusely. And I still do that. Like, I still feel bad for the other person involved. But, yeah, it's, I guess more than that is always my, my driving force is always going to be awareness. And, mm. you know, because I just think the kids deserve it, you know. Yeah. And, I like, I don't know. I don't think any kid up until a certain age is an asshole like you know mm. they're not trying to do what they're doing yeah. you know I you know and but I've been there before I've seen a kid acting out thinking you are an asshole of yeah. a kid but you know <laughs> now I know they're probably not who yeah. knows what they're dealing with I mean with. they could yeah. be yeah, they but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it is a good point you, do, you don't know what's going on you don't know what's happening behind closed doors and I think as parents we have this massive responsibility to speak to our children about, you know, the fact that there might be something going on. I do that with Peyton, you know, she's got a girl who's not the nicest little girl. I'm (laughs) not going to say any language about a child because that's just wrong, but in her class and and she's known this child for a couple of years. She's actually not in her class. They used to be. Um, And you can just tell, I can just tell as a parent that there's something going on at home for this poor little girl, but she's a bully. She bullies the kids. She's rude. She's mean. And I just say to Peyton, well, no, it's not nice. That's not how we treat people. But maybe that, maybe there's something else there. Yeah, yeah. So we do, we have that responsibility too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think, I just think, I don't know what age, you know, kids can like start actually being, you know, mean and horrible from an intentional yeah, <laughs> point of view. Yeah. But I just know that with, with Tiani's age, I mean, I still see it now. I still see some kids, you know, not want to be her friend because she's, you know, but at this age, you've just, it, I, I don't i don't know what you have to do at this age, to be honest with you, because mm. I don't know what it's like to have a four-year-old that has a normal brain. So I, I don't really know how you would speak to them, but it has to come from the parents. Like there's no other, yeah. there's no other place for it to come to, you know, mm. it just has to. Yeah. So what's, what's the path for you guys? You know, is there is anything laid out? Have they given you an idea of when she'll inverted commas catch up or? No, it's, it, it's honestly like, it's cliche to say, but it's day by day. It's week by week. It's month by month for mm. us. Um, I mean, survival for me, <laughs> you oh, know, is day by day. Um, yeah. We do have a little bit of a plan. So um, obviously this is uh, something that is a very personal uh, choice, but we, uh, I cannot wait to medicate Tiani. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, are going to go on to Ritalin as soon as she turns five Mm -hmm. Um, my reasoning for that not that I have to explain it but just is that I just want to give her the best opportunity when she when she does um, start Mm. school whenever that is Um, and yeah it's just I I mean we don't know because we don't really know what's going on in her brain we don't know whether she's going to have you know uh, that developmental or that delay for years forever Mm. you know we just don't know so we just have to kind of take it day by day and just control what we can I think and Mm. that and do what we can and that is the therapies um for me that's the medication I definitely want to trial that out um I think the biggest thing to note about Tiani is you can like her she is so high level ADHD that you can almost look at her and see her brain just 
firing in 45,000 different, um, you know, directions. And for me, that that just breaks my heart because I can see that so much of what she does is actually out of her control. Mm -hmm. You know, like the impulse control, like I almost can see her, like she, she does things with her hands before her brain's even worked out what she's doing if that makes sense so I just can't you know and again I don't judge any parent that does decides to do whatever they want to do with their child but for me I just don't think I would be doing her a service to put it try and put her into school and learn Mm. with a brain that's going that fast like I just can't imagine that so that's what I want to do for her and just continue with the therapies as much as we can Mm. Um, find things that she's good at that's a massive thing for me you know she's loves music She's got a beautiful voice. She's got a real ear for tune, you know, and which is so cool to see. That's awesome. Yeah. I so absolutely I absolutely don't. So yeah. I love that for her. <laughs> well, she definitely does not get that from me. <laughs> she definitely gets that from her um, moldy father. Um, I can guarantee that. Um, but you know, I think that's the key f- for us for for the short term is just to, you know, fuel what she's good at as much as we can and just try and help her and just see where see where we end up really well that's the thing you can only do what you can with information that you have and that's as part of that medicine is a choice and that's why it's available you know there's risks and whatnot but you have to make that decision as a parent does she realize that she's different not yet which is actually Mm. a beautiful thing at the moment um she's completely and utterly um um what's the word ignorant (laughs) ignorant Yeah. yeah um to it and to me, that's a blessing in disguise. At the moment, she does. If you don't like her, she doesn't give a fuck. She's like, she's just like, what do you mean? Oh, you know, she'll be in your face if you're trying to tell her to go away. Like, she's just, you know, um, I'm, I'm amazing. Why would you want me to go away? Yeah. Um, like, literally, she'll come up to your face and be like, "What me? Annoying? What do you mean?" Um, without using those words, obviously. Um, and I, I do fear a little bit for when she gets to that mm. point of of realizing um, and. You know, I just, yeah, I'm just going to have to, to take that when it comes. Um, mm. But, yeah, right now, no. <laughs> no oh. clue. <laughs> that's, oh, I think that's good, though. Ignorance is bliss. And, you know, when it comes time for that conversation, you'll yeah. have to deal with it when it comes. Yeah. But just enjoy it. Yeah, now. I know. And I love that from her. I think we can all take a page out of her book. If you don't like me, I don't give a shit. She doesn't give a fuck about anything. <laughs> like, it's just... You know, so yeah, that's a, the charming part of it for now. The really charming part. <laughs> I mean, I, listening to you speak about her, I just, I'm in complete admiration. I think that you're such a beautiful mother and she's Aww. so lucky to have you. What advice would you give to other mothers or fathers or parents or caregivers who are in this situation where they've got a child who maybe they think that there's a condition or they found out there's a condition that's not so common or not often seen what advice would you give them? I would say for anybody that thinks that there could be something um, delayed or different about their child, the first thing I would say would just would just be to seek help mm. um, as quickly and as early as you can. Um, there is nothing in this world that will, you know, um, be a disservice to your child by getting some early intervention if they turn if if it turns out that there's actually absolutely nothing wrong with them and they were just a little bit late to the party for speech for example then you know all good yeah no harm done yeah absolutely but you know early intervention and I I mean I I can't draw this in enough early intervention is key for these kids Mm. um the sooner that they can get into the system and get some help the better um and like I say you know if in Australia we just have so many options which is really beautiful 
I think if you already do have a diagnosis, um, it's it's so hard. You know, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I listen to a lot of parenting podcasts and as brilliant as the parenting ones for, you know, quote unquote normal kids is, like I I can't relate to them, you know. Mm. So I've had to reach out a little bit more to specific um like podcasts and mm-hmm. that's been really helpful because those people like know more what I'm going through mm-hmm. um same with connecting with other mums who have you know some different children um and also I mean it's so, again it's so cliched but I think just it's a lot of responsibility and it can be super overwhelming at times so you know if you're in a your relationship or you have a partner to help you then you too need to take time for yourselves mm-hmm. um and if you're like me and you're single and on your own doing it then you need to find a way to you know take a step back and have a moment every now and then as well so as you can be the best mum for them so yeah mm-hmm. it's fucking hard though like I feel like sometimes I'm on Instagram and all I do is complain but I just feel like it's so important for other mums that are you know that might have a differently wild differently wired child um to know that it's okay to fucking like mm. think that like to, to have bad days days and days in a row to feel like you're not doing anything to just struggle like it's just like that's okay because this shit is hard and parenting a normal child is hard mm. but fuck me add on like you know complex needs high needs like tantrums like that are so next level that you just don't even know what to do and an inability to even have a conversation with your child like th- like that's hard and I'm ha- I want to like talk about that and I want to normalize it because I'm not here to paint a pretty picture and be like ah everything's great I'm so good at this like my you know I'm sorry I just but I'm not like because that's not who I am and I and I'd rather another parent who's having a fucking shit day sorry for all my swearing um read my (laughs) post and go oh she's having a shit day too you know what like that at least I'm not the only one, mm. yeah. Because there's nothing worse than feeling like you're you're completely alone in this world of parenthood. Oh, hundred yeah. percent. And I think, to your point, being a single parent is really fucking hard. Like, you really know, hard yeah, and exhausting. But that's without all of the things you just mentioned. And and I know, like, Peyton was a great child, but oh god, when you when you've got to work, when you've got to be the only parent, when you've got to manage all of that stuff and then you've got all that on top of it like how are you even functioning <laughs> i'm tired just looking at you <laughs> did i have i mentioned coffee i yeah. don't know how many i'm on today but um, it, it yeah. is it is yeah. that's why i think it is important to be real because you can i i think you know you should definitely and i'm allowed to say this because i'm looking in on you promote more of the beautiful things that you do and the voice that you have for her because you're a fucking amazing mom oh, thank but you. Yeah, I think showing that raw stuff too, that that takes a lot to be vulnerable, to be that vulnerable to go, like, I'm really struggling here. And the funny thing is a lot of people that you help, you, you'll never know because yeah. they won't actually reach out to you yeah. because they might not be ready to be vulnerable, but yeah. they get a lot from what you do. Yeah. I just, it's, it's just reality. Like, you know, I'm on a Facebook um, group for parents of ADHD children and we are all like every day is like, I can't fucking do this anymore. Like, this is so hard. Am I the only one? Like my child does this. I don't know what to do anymore. I'm at my wits end. Like those are the comments that come through. That is our reality. Mm-hmm. And look, at the end of the day, you know, this is the journey that we're, we're on and this is the child that we've been given. And 
I know it's not going to be hard forever, mm. but right now it's really fucking hard. <laughs> and um, yeah, and so and I'm like, I, I honestly is like I'm I'm almost so honest that it's like a a bad thing, you know. So yeah, I just I'm just happy to talk about it, and yeah. that's just who I am. So yeah, it's important. Deal with it. <laughs> I I think it, yeah, it's really important to be that to be raw in that space. Touching on what you said before about I guess carving out time for you because it is important um and I'm a huge mum life balance advocate I think it's super important not always easy but it's important (laughs) and I like to call it the me before mummy so what does Kate do to reconnect with that person that she was pre-kids or in her spare time um well uh not a lot. <laughs> I sleep when I can. Um, no, I, I, as everybody probably knows, the gym is a, the huge yeah. part of my life. Um, and I get there no matter what. Um, we're out the door at 20 past seven every morning and she's in the gym crash, you know, three or four mornings a week. Um, so I can train. Um, when it's not too hot, I've got into, really got into hiking. Oh, and I can't tell you how much that just fills my soul with nature. And I never used to do that before. So that is not a pre-Kate, uh, pre-mum thing at all. Um, and I think just, I don't know, just finding time to be around people that fill your soul mm-hmm. for me. Um, I don't have a lot of spare time every night. I'm at home while my child sleeps. Um, you know, so when I do get those moments, I just want to like be around people that, you know, that, that make me feel good um yeah. I'm I'm just at the very beginning and obviously we're not going to go into this but I'm just at that very beginning of that kind of like healing journey so I'm getting a little bit into you know um journaling and and doing a few things like that massages you know reiki all of that kind of stuff mm. so I'm just wherever I can I just pop something in there even if it's an hour even if it's half an hour even if it's a walk just anything yeah yeah, yeah. oh anything you can do for yourself is always worth the yeah. investment of time for yeah. sure well, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, You've thank been you. Amazing. <laughs> I will put all of your details into the show notes so that people can follow along your journey if they don't already. But I think it's really important to give this a voice, and I'm so glad that it was yours. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I feel like I talked a million miles an hour, but um, I have definitely never felt so comfortable <laughs> chatting Aww. to a microphone before. So <laughs> thank you so That's much. Nice. Thank you. Isn't she incredible? I just think that she really deserves a high five for coming and chatting about this discussion, particularly when it comes to her daughter. It's a very vulnerable space to be and it's something that Kate's still trying to navigate, but she's really determined to advocate for those children who have these silent disabilities. There are a lot of things that I took away from today's episode, but I think the most important is that we should not judge a book by its cover. We cannot assume what's going on with a child or anybody really, but it does does prove that sometimes there are reasons for a child's behavior. When it comes to navigating this space as a mother who has a child that's impacted, Kate's suggestion is to seek help quickly and early. If you notice any differences in your child's behavior, their learning, their development, it's better to be safe than sorry. I'd also like to highlight if you are someone who's trying to navigate this space that it's okay to reach out for help. As much as you're determined to support your child, you need to ensure that you've got support for yourself. So whether that's friends, family, or speaking to a professional, it's important to look after your own needs where you can as well. If you would like to follow more of Kate's journey, you can find her over on Instagram at kate.nolan and I'll be sure to put her details into the show notes. But in the meantime, remember to take a breath, take some time for yourself and know that you're doing a damn good job. 
Thank you again so much for joining me. I cannot wait to share more stories with you. So if you haven't done so already, make sure that you click on that subscribe button so that you don't miss a thing. Thanks again. Lots of love and I'll see you next week.